Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Greg, will have smart discussions with friends, experts, and thought leaders on customer experience, transformation, and leadership. Please follow this podcast on your preferred platform. I am sure you will enjoy the next episode with the guest I selected for you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the next discussion of the CX Goalkeeper. Today, I'm really delighted because I have Francesco Brenna together with me. Hi, Francesco. How are you? Hi, Gregorio. Very well. How are you? Very well. I am really thrilled to start the discussion with you. You are an expert in digital transformation, in business transformation, and therefore I'm very looking forward to, to this discussion. But before we deep dive in this topic, as usual, I asked my top players joining the, the podcast to present themselves. And therefore, Francesco, could you please quick introduce yourself? Sure, Gregorio. Well, uh, first of all, thanks again for having me. Uh, yes, uh, in myself, I've been in the uh, digital transformation business or in the technology business for the last 20 years. I always worked for, for IBM. Uh, I have a computer engineering as a, as, a, as a degree and as a background. So I have spent my entire career in basically applying technology to solve uh, our clients' business problems. Uh, I started initially in the whole you know, software development slash digital transformation area. But I very quickly developed during my career a pretty strong passion for data analytics and then lately artificial intelligence. So I really spent the last 15 years working with my clients to try to really understand how to use data, how to use insight from data to really drive a business outcome. And as we all know, this is a topic which has grown and has made a lot of progress in the in the past in the past few years. So it's been a very, very interesting uh, topics. And uh, so therefore, I'm really much looking forward to, to discuss with you some of the, the experience I made so far. Thank you, Francesco. But now I need to, dis to ask you, because you said AI, I am speaking with the real Francesco or is an hologram created to, to discuss with me? No, it's, it's the real one. I think we are not there yet with, in terms of uh, digital avatars. We're making very good progress. And maybe we can you know, talk about this later in the, in, in the discussion. But uh, for now, it's the real Francesco. Ah, perfect. And uh, this is what I really like, having human-to-human -human discussion. And uh, you spoke about transformation, and one important piece that often gets forgotten is the people behind the transformation. Therefore, one question that it's, it's really important to me, which values drive you in life? Good question, Gregorio. I think uh, if I think about myself and, and, and really my value, I would probably say three First of all, I think is hard work. I think uh, I, I I believe there is uh, really nothing you can achieve in life, whether it's personal or professional, without hard work. So really putting uh, you know yourself into something is very very important. So that's definitely one of my value. The second one I would probably say humility. Uh, I think uh, staying humble, uh, um, you know, being being humble and really have the humility to work. With anyone uh, in in on your team in your in your in your in your you know per professional environment is very very important, and I think the last one is probably, which is more on the on the on the private side as well is happiness. You know I need to enjoy what I do, so I need to wake up every morning with a smile on my face to really have the motivation to to do what I have to do. So happiness is definitely an important value to me too. 
Oh, thank you very much, Francesco. And I think these are three important values that you are also living every day when you are helping other companies going through a business transformation or a digital transformation. A lot of companies nowadays are heavily investing in transforming themselves. We are always uh, hearing to be ready for the future. As a global leader in this field, what's happening? Well, I think... Uh... It's it's a very good good question, Gregory. And I think if I if I look at what's you know the last maybe three four years, I think we have all seen a incredible acceleration of digital transformation during COVID, right? I think this has really you know for us working in tech have probably been the busiest you know time of of all our career, right? The two years 2020, 2021. Uh, so we have seen a significant acceleration in in the digital transformation because all of a sudden. Will a lot of organizations realize uh, how important digital it is and it was for their business, but also they realize how behind most of them really were in terms of the digital transformation. So we have seen a huge, a huge acceleration uh, in that. And now coming out of the of the COVID, I would say there is uh, this will continue. Now you know we were before this 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 podcast. You and I were briefly talking about the current macroeconomic situation, or you know that we all live in. I think there is a lot of focus and a lot of uh, uh, work being done to really, I would say, do more with less. So the role of efficiency and uh, that it is going to be required across every organization is going to be very, very important. So that's one aspect. I think the other two aspects which are really becoming more and more important are, first of all, cybersecurity. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of um, you know traction, a lot of focus on really uh, driving cybersecurity within an organization with all you know the digital transformation, which leads to new distributed architecture, edge uh, devices, AI being deployed anywhere. I mean, cybersecurity become a super super critical aspect. So a lot of uh, work going on in that area, and I think the last one is probably becoming more and more important is the whole sustainability agenda. I mean, you know, just coming out of the the the, the COP twenty seven from from last two last two weeks. I think we are obviously seeing a lot of the work that countries and government are doing, but I think organizations we really have to start doubling down on them and really have to start doing some real uh, uh, action around sustainability because that's really becoming a key differentiation for many organizations across any industry going forward. So I would say these are probably the three main things I'm seeing in the industry right now. I think these these are really interesting topics and these are touching us as employees as consumers, but also as, as human beings. And perhaps based on your global experience, do you see common pa partners among countries and industry that you can say this is, these are really the, the key topics? In terms of, the, of these uh, opportunities, you mean? Correct. Well, I think, as I said, I think the you know the the whole sustainability and cybersecurity is definitely something which is really a cross cross industry topic. It doesn't really matter if you're in financial service, in retail, or in industrial sector. These are really topics which are pretty much common. Um, so that's that's definitely one 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 area uh, I would say. Uh, the other one I think is the which which goes along the the digital transformation that I mentioned. I think is the transformation. The talent transformation, which is going to be, which is actually required to drive the, the transformation. I think the new skills, the new operating model, the new approaches that you need within your organization to really drive the transformation are really common across every industry, every countries. 
And I think there is still, it's probably one area where organizations are still struggling a bit and where, you know, is are going to still going to be a bit of a challenge for, uh, for most organizations going forward, uh, because that's really the big change which will need to happen across, across industries. I think this is really interesting. I see working on the, on the corporate side that companies start creating strategies, roadmaps, starting one project and then the other and then changing this 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 plan and so on. But the, the real results out of these transformation programs are not always exactly as expected. Everybody's expecting now we change everything and everything will get better, but it's not so. Uh, what's your view on that? I mean, it's, it is definitely like this, right? I mean, there is a lot of, um, let me say, a lot of talking about digital transformation, about driving innovation within an organization. But I think if you look at uh, what's really happening, I think a lot of organizations, like you said, are really struggling to get this done at scale and really to deliver some of the, the business value they're expecting. And I think if I look at some of the, the reasons behind that, based on just my, my personal own experience as, as a consultant, I see a few things. Number one, I think, as I, I mentioned is already, is really the, the fact that most organizations are really struggling with the speed of execution of this transformation program. It's probably mainly because skills and approaches. Uh, I mean, a lot of organizations are still working very much waterfallish, very much with a with a you know clear cut between IT and business. And that's really hindering transformation, hindering you know a speed of execution. So I think really the challenge of driving agile process within organization, not just in the IT, right? which is, has been a common pattern for quite some years, but also in business and bringing a tier business together uh, to drive that is, is really, is really important. The second aspect, I think it's the whole, uh, I think underestimation still of the value of data and the value of the quality of the data you need, regardless of what problem you're trying to solve, regardless of what process you're trying to digitize, being able to leverage the right data, whether it is your, your customer, your product, your services, it's you know it's very very important and a lot of organizations are still struggling to get the right quality the right governance around 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 that data and then the third aspect is definitely skills right i mean all a lot of this digital transformation requires new skills within within the organization which needs to be built up but also requires technology skills uh, and digital skills within the business at any level uh, which today's in many organizations we still don't have. So I think these are kind of the the, the, the key challenges I see as a, as a consultant. Uh, from your point of view, three outstanding challenges uh, to, to tackle. Uh, perhaps we can deep dive one, one after the other. The first one is you mentioned agility. And I think this is exactly the main point. Companies start trying to be agile with Scrum and all this stuff in the IT, and they are not able to get the business and work together with the business and then drive this, uh, this, this transformation at the pace at the, with the speed that it's required. Perhaps on, on this agility topic, what's your view, first of all, what's hindering companies to be really agile, overall agile, and not only in the, in the, in the, in the IT? And second, perhaps do you have also some suggestion how to tackle this, this, these problems? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, uh, this is uh, again, a very good question. I think it's, 
what's hindering, in my opinion, is primarily a cultural uh, aspect. So really, really a change in the mindset uh, within the organization about IT and business working together. I mean, even though everyone says we want to work agile, as I said, most of this agile work is being done in the IT. So really driving a change of the mindset on the business side and really bringing uh, business and IT together, together is going to be essential. Now, how do you do it, right? I mean, first of all, I think there is one aspect which is really, really important is that every project that you're going to run, you need to start from the very beginning with business and IT together to really together kind of shape what's ideate, what the solution is going to be and you know, applying techniques like simple techniques like design thinking uh, session, for instance, where you bring IT and business people together to really think about what is the customer pain points that we want to uh, to address, right? What is the customer problems that we want to solve and really together ideate and shape a solution. It's really, really going to be very important. So bringing these, these two uh, together is definitely is definitely one of the, the key aspects of that. And in order to do that, I think you need to probably inject some of this mindset into the business, whether this is through change agent to people, with have who have these 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 uh you know digital change skills within the business we have tech we are a bit more technology savvy within within in the business is is definitely going to be very very important uh, as a kind of a best practice uh, i think thank you very much for touching this topic focusing on on the customer or on the on the human being and understanding them and i think the other thing that you mentioned is data and the the topic around the you you said governance around data because i see and i discuss i'm discussing with a lot of companies the target is to get the most possible data but they are not using leverage the, the data and creating really outcomes with this data and you are an expert in in analytics ai and and all these technologies this solution that can help uh, leverage the data, create value out of the data. Could you please elaborate a bit on that? Absolutely. And I think even on the data side, to be honest, Gregorio, I don't think it's a technology problem. It's, it's again, a cultural uh, slash governance uh, type of problem. Because I think what we need to do is really shifting from, like you said, yeah, collecting all this sort of data into a centralized big data platform like every organization has been doing for the last 20 years towards a more, much more a data products type of thinking, right? We need to think about data as a product, like any other products. What is the what is the value that this data is going to provide? What is the the customer journey that this data is going to enable? So, thinking data as a product, uh, and you know there are many approaches now which are being you know uh, adopted in the industry. Things like data mesh, for instance, where you really try to you know, push the, the ownership of the data into the domains, really having the domain-driven uh, kind of architecture where you have your customer domain, for instance, being responsible to create all the various data products around your customer experience, right? So you're really moving from, okay, these are my, you know, uh, 20 databases where I have all sort of data customers to this is are my three, four data products which I have in my customer domain, which delivers this following uh, uh, capabilities and value. I think this is a really mindset change. I mentioned governance because obviously in order to create these data products, data governance is going to be very, very important. So being able to have, understand where your data is, who owns it, what's the quality of the data, 
it's going to be super critical in order to to enable this 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 data product. So I think establish the right governance approaches within your organization, stewardship, you know, the various processes is going to be very, very important. Thank you. And from the three topics you mentioned, agility data and uh, skills. Now, I would like to deep dive on, on the skills topic. We had also a um, short discussion uh, at the beginning, uh, prior recording this, this episode, and we spoke about the war of talents, getting the right talents, getting the right skills. How is the market developing in, in this uh, skills war? Well, it is it is really a hot market, uh, Gregorio. It is, uh, you know, um, it is. I think it is very difficult for any organization, and particularly for organization, I believe, outside of the tech industry, to really attract uh, young talents, particularly in the you know we were talking about AI, so data scientists, data engineers, to attract them into your organization, but then most importantly to retain them within the organization. So I think. We these are people who really wants to work on some of the most difficult and, and and you know exciting challenges. They want to learn every day something new. Uh, so they are really really eager to advance uh, you know their their skills and their and their career. So we really need to give them the right platform to be able to achieve that. It's not easy, right? Especially if you are outside of the tech industry to create first of all the right brand for you to attract these talents but then also give them the right type of work uh, to retain them in your organization is going to be very, 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 very difficult. And I think this is this is really, really a hot market uh, and will continue to be like that. I think one other areas though that I mentioned, if I may deep dive a bit more, uh, Gregorio, from a skills point of view, is also not just how you kind of hire and retain these people, but how do you infuse these new skills within your organization, right? Uh, because that's really also important. It doesn't, it, it's not enough just hire, you know, 50 smart data scientists. It's also how you're going to leverage them in the best way so that they can really drive value for your for your organization. So thinking about what is the right operating model for you, for your organization is going to be super important. And type of, you know, approaches and best practices, we see uh, the adoption of, so-called center of excellence or center of competence, where you start maybe with a centralized one, bringing all your kind of skills together and use this to serve other part of your business uh, to drive to drive this change as a kind of a starting point. But then as you start to evolve and mature in terms of your digital, digital transformation, I see more and more of this becoming like a federated model where you start to, going back to our domain-driven design that we talked about before, when you start to infuse this kind of COE within your line of business, right? Think about having a COE in your customer domain, in your finance, in your, uh, you know, um, uh, HR. So this is really the operating model aspect. And now you're going to infuse this within your organization is going to be very, very important too, from a skills point of view. I think what you are saying, it, it's key because we are using and we are trying to leverage new way of working. You mentioned, for example, agility. And I think this is this is a great example to first get all the people together to upskill them, to help them understanding agility. That's it's a mentality and it's not a framework to use, but then to bring them into the operating units, as you mentioned, finance, uh, operations, marketing, and, and IT, because then you have also the ambassador outside of what you, of your core of the business of digital transformation. And the more ambassador, the more people help you understand, drive you this transformation, the, be the best it is. And therefore, I think it's, it's key. And you are 
a senior leader, you are a big expert, but you are also a leader, people leader. And you mentioned upskilling people, new generation with new expectation. Perhaps do you have also some uh, suggestion what you are doing that it's working very well also for, for, for my audience? Uh, yes, I mean, we obviously, uh, like I said, we do, you know, we I spend personally a lot of time in trying to really create the right environment for 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 this new generation particularly to to come to us but also then to to, to stay with us and a few things that we do is or a few examples a few best practices I, that i can share is first of all <clears throat> i think it's about uh the community so i think you need we need to create a sense of belonging for these people within your organization they need to feel uh, being part of a bigger team, they need to feel to be part of something very, very important for their for their for their organization, not just a little team within within a line of business solving some particular problems. So we do this, for instance, by running every quarter. We run uh, hackathons, for instance, where we bring these people together with our business uh, leaders uh, to solve some particular business problems. So every quarter we focus on a particular topic, like you know sustainability or ethical AI, or a particular industry, and really let these people working with our business leader, working with our with our other part of the organization to really getting together and really work on, on something very, very important and very impactful for, uh, for them. So this sense of uh, community is definitely, definitely important. The other thing is really giving them uh, opportunity to grow, right? I mean, giving them the right, um, the right role, the right uh, challenge, which is not always an easy thing, uh, but you need to think about challenging them all the time. These are not people who want to do the same job for one or two years. These are people who want to be challenged, you know, every every week, right? So you need to think about how do you rotate, for instance, these people across their roles very often, right? We try to, for instance, to across the client's project that we do to really rotate these, these people so that they can learn something new, they can they get into another client's environment, getting exposed to a new industry, new business problems, and really being challenged uh, all the time. I think if you can keep them challenged, if you keep if you can keep them uh, outside of their comfort zone, they will remain eager uh, to work in your organization, eager to learn and eager to stay. I think these are probably the two main, and there are others, but I think these are the two main things practical things that you know we try to apply to uh to our teams thank you francesco i think eager people people that want to achieve some things also deliver outstanding projects and uh, we meet let's say once a year two times a year and you always share great solution that you delivered for your customer perhaps do we have in mind one one example that you can share with the audience for sure without any names what you delivered one of the last project that you delivered that you said this is really something great uh yeah i mean there are there are there are so many uh let me let me think about um what probably Probably one I would uh, I, I would mention is uh, is a work which is uh, which we have been doing uh, and I, I cannot mention the uh, the client name obviously but is in the in the financial service industry uh, which which is uh, really something exciting because it goes and is an AI uh, type of project that we did which goes really kind of push the boundaries of the art of the possible so we have worked with a with a large financial service institution 
in really applying the early stage of generative AI uh, to really look at how we could help them uh, deal with the huge amount of unstructured data that they have, particularly around uh, regulation in banking, uh, and really being able to uh, to have a much more efficient approach on understanding them, delivering, extracting the right insight, uh, summarizing them, and really generate value out of this, you know, document or knowledge which which used to be a compliance or a cost aspect, but not really an added value type of thing. So, really applying uh, this new way, newer way of uh, language model with generative AI. Uh, in summarizing this document and understanding the, the complex, uh, you know, semantics of, of these of these topics using AI, it was uh, quite impressive to see the result. Uh, it was quite exciting type of work. And even though it's not, you know, a huge transformation, it was definitely something super, super exciting for, for us and, and our team. Thank you, Francesco. And as you are here, uh, nowadays, everybody's speaking of the latest projects, the latest um, algorithm in AI that create that can create books, answer all the questions and so on. <laughs> in, what's happening? Could you please create a bit of clarity around these, these algorithms? Are they really to answer all the possible questions and solve every problem that we have? I think, I think uh, uh, Gregorio, we're still probably far away from having a kind of a general purpose AI. But I think this new foundational model, you know, based on this, you know, transformer architecture, for those of you who are a bit more technical, maybe, you know, you can you can have a have a look at the at the old transformer architecture is really a uh is really having a significant change to the whole approach to AI, right? I mean, if you look at what uh, what OpenAI has been doing, you know, I, I'm sure some of you have heard this, you know, Chat GPT, right? This new language model that OpenAI just released literally two days ago or last week, which is this chatbot, which I would say is the first real general purpose chatbot generated by anyone. It's a huge language model which allows you to ask any sort of questions, and the and the and the, the model can generate answer uh, on the fly in real time based on the knowledge that it has, and it's really really impressive. So I think. We're making huge step forward uh, with this, but I think, and the same is true. I don't know for for those of you who have who have heard this uh, pathways, which another uh, language model created by Google, we're supposed to uh, be able to handle one thousand languages, uh, um, you know, in, in 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 any sort of use cases from language generation, answering, uh, summarizing text, uh, uh, so all sort of use cases. So these are really really impressive. Uh, improvement. I think going forward, what I see, you know, if, if we will probably meet in five years, uh, uh, Gregorio, what I'm expecting to happen is that to understand how we are going to make these models scale in the business, in a sense that these are general purpose, they can answer all sorts of questions, but in business, we need AI model, we can really solve a customer problem, a legal problem, a banking problem, so how do we make them, how do we specialize them on certain topics? What's the training going to be uh, required to do that? I think there is still a lot of work uh, uh, which needs to happen to really make them uh, useful for, for, for businesses, but I think the potential is huge. The second aspect to that is actually the whole ethical AI aspect. I think these, these models are creating that's probably one of the reasons why even Google and OpenAI are kind of taking a bit slowly, 
uh, in terms of adoption, because there are big ethical questions which still needs to be answered about this model. How do we ensure that they are not biased? How do we ensure that we can explain them? How do we ensure that they are transparent? So there is a lot of work which still need to happen from a pure ethical AI uh, before we can really see a strong adoption of, this, of these models. But it's super exciting, and I think great opportunity going forward uh, generated by, this, uh, by these new approaches. Thank you, Francesco. And for the record, we are recording this episode mid of December. Therefore, Francesco said uh, last week were released. The, the episode will be published uh, a bit later. You spoke about in five years time, but if I have you on, on my podcast, and I'm sure we will meet again in five years, uh, let's, let's speak about 10 years time. In 10 years time from now, you are back to my podcast. I hope that it's still a podcast, perhaps in the metaverse, but that's another discussion. And uh, what we are discussing about? <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's uh, that's a really tough one, Gregory, especially if we talk about AI, because it's really, really difficult. I mean, um, as I said, the if you, if you look at going back to this generative, this new foundational model, I think probably, I'm sure that in 10 years, we will be talking about um, how these models are really driving value within within the business because I'm sure the 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 old research is going to go in that direction. So these models are going to you know see adoption across the business. So I wouldn't be surprised if in in ten years we will have you know um, really machine learning uh, system writing entire you know company reports or 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 reading a a a legal. Uh, a document and being able to tell you exactly what you need to do. So I think these these models are going to really see adoption very quickly uh, across the business. The second aspect I think is uh, is the whole regulation and AI ethics. As I mentioned, we are just starting to talk about the importance of AI ethics. I think in ten years, every single model which will be out there in in either in private or in professional life will have to be explainable. Will have to be transparent will have to ensure that you know is unbiased so i think this will play a huge role in 10 years and then last but not least i think ai to be honest right now is still being used pretty much to automate business so it's a very much efficiency type of uh, use case i see ai in 10 years being much more an augmentation of our human uh, capabilities in decision making in research in discovery type of use case think about medical uh uh, area, think about, you know, pharma or science discovery. So I see AI much more as a augmentation wheel of our human brain in, in all this very complex decision processes rather than just automating, let me say, uh, business processes uh, like like it pretty much does, uh, does today. So these are probably generative AI, all ethics, and the whole kind of augmentation of our human brain is probably where I see the evolution or, over the next 10 years. That's really, really interesting. Thank you very much, Francesco. But we are coming to an end of this game. And the, in the extra time of this uh, short game, I would like to ask you three questions. Um, the first one is, is there a book that you would like to suggest to the audience that helped you during your career or during your life? Uh, let me think about the last ones that I read. Uh, probably I would suggest, and this is a very famous one, but I think The Infinite Games of Simon Sinek uh, as definitely being uh, an eye-opening book. Uh, it has helped me as a business leader to really understand how to think 
beyond just your kind of a quarter or financial metrics, but really think about what's the purpose uh, for you as a for your company, for you as a as a leader, and for your team. So I think uh, for any leaders who haven't read that book yet, I think it's definitely one book I would strongly, strongly recommend. Indeed, it's worth it. I think it's really a great book. And if somebody would like to contact you, what's the best way? Uh, I think either on LinkedIn is probably the, the, the best way. Uh, I'm sure you, you can publish my email address after this. You know, I'm I'm very much open to, you know, to engage in any discussion. So I'm very reachable. Um, so please feel free to reach out. And I can confirm that you are reachable. <laughs> that's that's great. And therefore, we are in contact since since years. And now, really, the, the last question is the Francesco's golden nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new that you would leave to the audience. No, I think we probably discussed a lot of things. The only thing I will leave, I will leave maybe with the audience, which is one thing which is, uh, has always helped me in my career, is to be very curious. Uh, I think curiosity is, in my opinion, a very, very important quality for any leaders, uh, especially in this area, right? In you know, in 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 the in the, in the type of work that we do, uh, being curious for what's happening, what's coming next, uh, it's really, really important to to shape your uh, your 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 mindset as a, as a leader, and also to bring you further in terms of your knowledge, in terms of your content. So I think be curious. Uh, it sounds simple. Uh, but, uh, but sometimes it's difficult to, to adopt it, but it's very, very important. That was Francesco's golden nugget. I'm not I'm not allowing myself to comment that because it was your golden nugget. The only thing that I can say is thank you very much, Francesco, for your time. Thank you, Gregorio, and thank you to your audience. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Francesco, please stay with me and to the audience. We love feedback. Therefore, feel free to reach out to me or to Francesco, as he mentioned, through his contact details that you will find also in the show notes. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business. We are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you.